Y'all see that? Brother Russell left and gave me his Bible. Y'all see? Amen. I'm just picking it. Amen. Amen. It's good to be saved tonight. Uh, man, if you're a preacher, you don't want to follow that either. Amen. Uh, I say this reverently. I count Brother Rick as an old war horse. If you've ever read the Psalms, he, that war horse would paw at the ground when he'd get ready to go into battle. And I'm, I'm glad we still got a war horse. All our, all our heroes ain't in heaven. And I'm glad we got one down here in South Mississippi. That's still... Still pawing the ground. Thank you, preacher. I pray God gives you another hundred years and gives you vitality and strength and mind. I thank you for paving a way for us and keeping the keeping the the ways beat back, the weeds beat back. I thank you for that. I'm thankful for my wife and my family because they refresh me every day. I walk down the road today with my little girl and just pick flowers. And I need that. She don't even know. She thinks, she thinks I'm doing all this for her. She don't have any idea what it's doing for me. That little boy flipping that knife out. Miss Doreen about had a heart attack today. My boy ought to have a knife. So me and my, da- me and my daddy, he's got a bunch of them, but we went and we, I blunted them with a grinder and took the edge off, and he's got a knife. And he don't know no difference, so don't tell him. He's over chopping a cup up at, at supper. Wasn't doing nothing to the plastic cup. Miss Doreen's about to have a heart attack. Him flipping that knife out and showing all the preachers tonight. It refreshed me. I'm thankful that I have my grandparents. I wouldn't be in the, I'm nothing tonight. Y'all listen to me. I'm nothing tonight. But I wouldn't be standing in this place tonight if it wasn't for them two right back here. I remember getting stand at their house Saturday night and the granddad would get the newspaper out and we'd get our wingtips out and shine our shoes. He'd set that polish on fire in that little can and heat up. So I thought he's magic. We'd get in the bed and eat graham crackers and milk, peanut butter and crackers. Can I get an amen? The next morning we'd get up and we'd go down to the gas station and we'd get breakfast and they'd get their senior coffee. Granddad was sure proud about that. And uh, they take me to church. The power of God flowed through that place. The night I got saved, Granddad, I was sitting beside Granddad on the front row for one of the few times I wasn't playing with the Swiss Army knife. God was ringing my bell, and I got the VHS, Brother Rick. And that night, Nan and Granddad was the first ones in the altar with me when I hit the altar and got saved. Prayed me out of the far country. And I just want to say thank you publicly. Vance Havner said this. He said, My greatest fear being in church every night is that I would become a trafficker of unfelt truth. And I don't want to ever get that way. Genesis chapter 21. Don't turn there. I'm just talking right quick. I hope that's all right. I'm trying to get my heart where it needs to be. I've sought God this afternoon and I'll be there. Trying to mind God. 
Hagar sitting there with an empty bottle. Her and her boy's about to die. And she's in Beersheba. Y'all know that? It's on the south part of Israel. From Dan to Beersheba, it's on the very end. But David, do you know what Beersheba means? It means seven, seven wells. There's seven wells there. Brother Elden, seven wells. Brother Rick, she's about to die of thirst in the land of seven wells. I'll tell you, most of us is thirsting to death and we're sitting in a well tonight. And if, you, if you're still thirsty after what God's been doing, it ain't God's fault. It ain't the preacher's fault, and it ain't the church's fault. You're dying in arms. You're thirsting to death in arms reach of a well. Got a bottle in your hand. You just ain't got enough faith to see it. Amen. I don't have time to preach that. I do want to preach if that's okay with you. Let's turn our Bibles to Ruth chapter number 1. I'm telling y'all, I've been in an upside-down tizzy this afternoon trying to find the, the mind of God and just being, not so much finding the mind of God, just being sensitive to what God wants. I'm dumb. I'm ignorant. I'm stubborn. And sometimes I'm not sensitive enough. And I was out there in the rain just trying to talk to the Lord and find the mind of God. When he get, got talking about all them reeds in the Bible, man, I could, God just began to resonate in my heart and settle in my heart. And I'm thankful for the preacher tonight. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's Word. Say, preacher, it's late. Well, it's a lot later than we think. But I'll say this. If you went back to the room or back to the fellowship hall, all you're going to be doing is eating them fried honey buns. It's a lot less calories here. Amen. Ruth chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Now it came to pass... In the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion. Now, I'm from northwest Georgia, and I've been calling him Chilion my whole life. And old Alexander Scorby done run it for me. Amen. I found out that I've been saying it wrong my whole life. So I'm trying to transition, but if I say one or the other night, y'all know what I'm talking about. Kilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And Maon and Kilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, and that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, dear Lord. I thank you, dear Father, for the message we've already heard tonight. Thank you for the messenger. Lord, thank you for what you've done in our hearts tonight. Lord, I'm not trying to replicate. I'm not trying to duplicate. Lord, but I'm trying to obey you tonight. I pray that you fill me with the Spirit. Give me wisdom and discernment. Help me to be concise where you want me to be concise. Help me to expound 
where I need to expound. And Lord, give every one of us in this place an ear to hear what the Spirit saith to the churches tonight. Lord, we'll be quick to give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Might be seated. Tonight, I'm going to give you a short introduction. I'll give you the message that the Lord has placed on my heart. The first thing we uh, get into here in the book of Ruth, if you know anything about the book of Ruth, it is a story out of the time of the judges all the way right there into Samuel. Matter of fact, a lot of historians, Josephus believes, it was at the beginning part of the book of Judges. So uh, I don't know how all that works. You can argue with them when we get to heaven. Uh, But all I know is this took place during the time of the Judges. And if you know anything about the time of the Judges, God is trying to uh, expound about how wicked God's people had gotten. Amen. Let me give you, for instance, at the end of the book, it's not in chronological order, at the end of the book of Judges, it talks about that fellow cutting up his concubine and sending it all the 12 tribes and man to me that seems like man you don't get much worse than that but when God wants to tell us how bad it had gotten in Israel he doesn't start with that fellow cutting out of his concubine he starts with a woman running everything amen so I'm trying not to get on that amen the book of Judges and the book of Ruth coincide with one another they're trying to show how bad things had gotten So it's no wonder that the book of Ruth starts off with a famine. Amen? We see the word famine 96 times in our King James Bible. Matter of fact, the Bible, the first mention of the word famine is found in Genesis 12 verse 10. And the last mention of famine in our Bible is in Revelation 18 verse number 8. So our Bible is a big old famine sandwich. Amen? But there's a whole lot of good in between them two famines. Amen? Thank God for that. Amen? But it's a, there's a famine. There's famines and they come and they go. Can I get an amen right there? In our text, there's a spiritual famine. If you back up one verse into the book of Judges, you find out in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So there was a famine of spirituality in the land. But number two, there was a famine. If you go forward just a few chapters into 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1, it said that the word of God was, there, was precious in those days. There was no open vision. So there was a famine of Scripture in the land. Man, aren't we living there? Amen. We are living there tonight. We are living in a time where there is a famine, a dearth of spirituality, and there is a famine, there is a dearth of spirit of scriptures tonight. And then we find in the text here that there was a literal famine of substance in the land. And if you'll go read your Bible in first and second Chronicles, first and second Kings, go over to the law and the book of Deuteronomy, you'll find out that the, the, the scriptural famine and the spiritual famine produce the substantial famine. Amen? So we see famine in the Bible. But number two in this introduction, we see a family. This man, his wife, and two sons. And I, I, I don't know if it's my time of life or what, uh, maybe my age, but man, it seems like everywhere I look, Brother Jacob, me and you were talking about it last night, I can't help but see the family. I, I told Brother Jacob, it seems like every year God just continues to give me, and I, I'm thankful for it, Brother Russell. God continues to give me messages on the home, and because you know what? I don't have it all figured out, and I need it. Amen? I, I, I need it real bad. So I'm not preaching this because I got it figured out. I'm preaching it because I need it. Amen? So I see there's a famine in this text. I see there's a family in this text. And let me say this God's interested in the home tonight, God is interested in the homes in this building. 
God is interested in the homes that are represented in this building that haven't even started yet. These young men and young women hey, that are going to have to raise a family if the Lord doesn't come back soon are going to be raising families in the worst time America's ever seen. I'm telling you, God is interested in the home tonight. But tonight, we see failure. Man, we see failure. We see somebody that absolutely loses everything. Now, I understand the rest of the book of Ruth. Can I get an amen? Are y'all with me? I understand the rest of the book of Ruth, but Ruth chapter 1, if that's all we got in the book of Ruth, it'd be just like the rest of the book of Judges. It is an absolute mess. And we understand the redemptive power of God. We understand what God does, Brother Todd. We know it's a beautiful story. But may I interject tonight that God would much rather use somebody in their success than in their suffering. God would much rather bless a family in their faithfulness than in their failure. Did God come through? Did God's grace, was it manifested? Did God show mercy? Absolutely. But let's not forget that there was a lot of failure that could have been avoided. There was a lot of, of destruction that could have been missed if they would have just stayed with God. Amen. Sometimes we learn from people's faithfulness. But most often in our Bible, if you'll just be honest, we don't learn from people's faithfulness. We learn from their failures. I love stories like Joseph. I don't know of a single verse, Brother Todd, where we, we hear anything negative about Joseph. I don't believe... I understand he's not perfect because he wasn't Jesus. But he is an amazing type of Christ. I love stories like that. But if that's the only kind of stories we had in our Bible, I don't know about y'all, but I'd be depressed. <laughs> I'm glad God doesn't just write about perfect people in the Bible. I'm glad that God shows us a bunch of mess-ups and that God shows us His grace and God shows us His mercy and God shows us that it ain't us at all. It's all about Him. Whether we do good, do right, whether we finish well, it's all in His hands if we'll just be faithful. So tonight, I don't want to look at their success. I want to examine their failure. And I want to preach on this thought tonight with the Lord's help. Keeping our families during a famine. Keeping our families during a famine. Forgive me. Can you just block out the rest of the book of Ruth? And let's focus on this family unit tonight. The first thing I want us to see is we have, if we're going to keep our family during a famine, we're going to have to learn to remain. Uh, here's our reads tonight, Brother Rick. Amen. All them R.E.s. Amen. I can't help it. And I already had this wrote down. My notes laid out before he said that. But it's just there tonight. And God's wanting to refresh some people tonight. If we're going to keep our family during a famine, we're going to have to remain. And look, I'm not preaching this whole text tonight. I've just got a few words, amen, that I want to preach tonight. I, I, the first word I want us to look at is Bethlehem Judah. Okay, so he tells us, look in our text, Now it came to pass in the day, days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. Now if you know anything about the Bible, this is a pretty important place. Amen. Bethlehem, it's got a dash in there, but Bethlehem means the house of bread. And if you look up the word Judah, we all know that about the house of bread, but the word Judah means 
place. Amen. So this Bethlehem Judah, it's kind of like Bethlehem's the city and Judah's the county. Amen. We got Poplarville in Pearl, is it Pearl River? Amen. So Pearl, Poplarville, Pearl River, we got Bethlehem Judah. And so this is a pretty good place. Amen. The house of bread and of praise. Amen. I'm telling you, I, as I got to looking at this, it reminded me a whole lot of the local church. Amen. I'm going to tell you, if they would have remained where God had them, they wouldn't have met, went into the mess that they went into. If they would have stayed at the house of bread and of praise, hey, they would have been a lot better off. Amen. I want to say tonight, uh, that if it's good enough for us to start there, it's good enough for us to finish there. Amen. Hey, I'll tell you right now, I, I, I said this statement the first time I preached this message and I wanted to examine it and I listened to it again today, but I'm going to say it one more again, alright? I don't believe we got a biblical right to, to leave a church unless it goes into doctrinal error or God calls you to go serve somewhere else. Everybody, well, what about my job? When Show me a verse in the Bible where your job's supposed to dictate where you go to church. Where you go to church ought to dictate where your job's at. Because you, hey, I'd much rather lay up treasures in heaven than lay up treasures at Wells Fargo for the Antichrist to get in a couple of years. I'm going to say it again. Quit letting our jobs dictate where we go to church and let our, hey, quit letting our house, hey, quit letting our future, let, quit letting our 401k and what the boss says. What about what God says? What about salvaging your family? Hey, this whole, cha this whole chapter is a mess because he's trying to make more money. He's trying to get more things. He's trying to chase the American dream. Let me tell you tonight, neighbor, the American dream is the American scheme. If you go chasing the dollar. That's, what's all, that's all you'll end up with at the end. But if you'll go chasing God, He's a lot better to have in the end. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Bethlehem Judah's got a pretty good history. If you go all the way back into Genesis chapter number 35, you'll find out Jacob's got a wife dying. But before she, right there in Bethlehem, on the road to Bethlehem, and Brother David, she's on the road to Bethlehem. She's having a baby. And she names him Benoni. That means the son of my sorrow. But wait a minute. Stuff like that ain't going to happen at Bethlehem. See, by the way, this wasn't J Jacob's first birth with this wife. This was Jacob's second birth with this wife. This wasn't, his, this wasn't the first birth. See, first births don't take place at Bethlehem. Second births take place at Bethlehem. Somebody ought to help me right there. Hey, first births aren't very important, but second births mean all the, all the world. So he's born, and you know what? That old fleshly girl, that old fleshly mama Rachel, she's an idol worshiper, and she calls him Ben and I, the son of my sorrows. But Jacob, he knows better than that. This ain't the first birth, this is the second birth. There's a new name that's needed. There's a new identity that's needed. And so when you're born at Bethlehem, when you get that second birth, you know what? You go from the son of sorrows to Benjamin. Benoni is the son of sorrows, but Benjamin means the son of my right hand. Amen. I'm going to tell the Lord of God, Brother Jacob, hey, the night I got in, sitting at the Cochran Ridge Baptist Church, now, hey, over there on Cochran Ridge Road in Hiram, Georgia, I was sitting at the, the house of bread and of prey, 
days. I was sitting beside my granddaddy. I hit that altar. I was a son of sorrows. I was a mess. I was a wreck. That conviction, it overtook me. I was in sorrows. I was in torment because I was living in the first birth. Oh, but when the father showed up, he said, no, he's not the son of sorrows. He's going to be. I'm, hey, see, I'm not the son of his right hand, but when I knelt that night, he saw me through the lens of the son of his right hand. I'm going to tell you tonight, that's what the second birth is. You don't get that at the community center. You don't get that at the mooses and the gooses in the lodge. Hey, you're going to find that down at the house of bread. And I praise. Amen. Thank God. That's pretty good history. You move on a little bit, you'll find out that's a place where man after God's own heart's born. You can't help it. Man, a little while later, Jesus is born there. You, it don't get no better than that. That's a good place. Hey, if Bethlehem Judah was good enough for the second birth, if Bethlehem Judah is good enough for somebody that's after God's own heart, if Bethlehem Judah is good enough for the Son of God, I say tonight, Bethlehem Judah, the house of God, the house of bread and praise, it's good enough for me. It's good enough for my family. And it's good enough for your family too. Amen. Just remain. You'll never leave the house of bread and the praise and bend up better off. And by the way, you don't need a new house of bread and praise every other month. You know what tickled me to death? That he busted that fellow's hide at the coffee pot the other night. Man, I love him way. You know what that's called? That's not called being a legalist. That's not called being a Pharisee. That's not called being a jerk. That's called being a pastor. And you know why most of these folks down here in South Mississippi? Well, it probably don't happen in South Mississippi. It just happens in Northwest Georgia. You know why most of them Northwest Georgia folks, they got this habit of church hopping? Y'all probably ain't dealing with that down here. Y'all probably don't know nothing about that. Y'all much better Christians than that down here. Hey, but when they get upset up there in North Georgia because the pastor pastors them, say they want a push-button preacher. Amen. They want somebody that they can pull the strings on. He's like a little puppet. Amen. And one day he might be a real boy. Amen. Hey, but I'm going to tell you what we, we need is a real man of God in this day. We need some men of God with a backbone like a saw and a pastor some people. But we also need some people in the pews that won't get hurt at every little thing and have a safe place in the back room and to go whine and cry. Hey, we need some men of God and some women of God in the pews that'll take some pastoring. Amen. I need to be pastored. You better believe it. I, he needs to be pastored. He puts people in his life that act as a pastor to him. Amen. My pastor. I don't go working out of some sub-church organization. I'm not some Chris Hewitt Ministries. I'm not working. Amen. That's exactly right. I'm working out of the local church. I need a pastor. Hey, in 2011, I started. God started dealing my heart about going out and, and, and putting my putting myself under a pastor other than my daddy. I said, God, I want somebody that prays more than me. I want somebody that's stronger than me. I want somebody that wants to go. I need a pastor. 
pastor hey, because I'm fleshly and I need somebody to pastor me. Amen. And you do too. Well, I, that's not all in the outline. Y'all pray for me. You need to remain at the house of bread and of praise. When Naomi got back, said, Preacher, there's a famine. Well, says she went out full. She's full in the famine. You know why? It don't matter what's going on out there. If you're at the house of bread and the praise, there's always going to be some fullness there. Amen. Brother Todd, she's full in the famine. And she came back, went and chased the American dream, or I, I guess I call it the Moab dream, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to blow the blue john out of all of that. Amen. At the end of the day, she came back empty. And when she got back, Brother Jacob, it turned out that there was bread at the house of God. Sounds like she missed the boat, didn't it? If you just plant yourself down and say, come hell or high water, unless God calls me and my family a ten buck two, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to bat the preacher. I'm going to shout amen. Hey, and let me help you with something. I'm getting tired of all these preachers getting on Facebook and saying, if you're taking a picture of themselves mopping the floor, let me help you, neighbor. If, if you're, hey, if you're taking a selfie, your picture of yourself mopping the floor, you're getting your reward right now. Scoot over, boys. Amen, preacher. That's right, preaching right there. Amen. If you're taking a selfie of yourself cleaning the toilet and putting it on Facebook, you got your reward right now. And I am tired. I have had it up to here. I ain't a very tall fellow, brother. Brother Todd, me and you ain't we ain't got the, the, the height going on. But let me stand up, brother Gregory. Stand up, hurry. I've had it up to here. With everybody saying, if you'll clean the toilets and mop the floor, maybe one day you'll be a great Christian. What if cleaning the toilets and mopping the floor is being a great Christian? I done blew it all to pieces, Brother Billy Ray. What if, what if that's not something to move past? What if that's where God may want some of us to just do that? And God may want somebody just to, to, to vacuum the floor. I came in here one morning, Brother Rick, years ago. My family went with me. I was looking for Granddad, and he, he gets up at 4 o'clock because he sleeps all during the day. Amen? Hey, but you know, he's in here, and I couldn't find Granddad. He's in here, Brother Billy Ray, and he's got a vacuum. And Granddad's over here. Nobody asked him to. He's just over here vacuuming. I'm going to tell you, neighbor, it may be that that's not where God wants you to reach to. That may be where God wants you to serve. And if it is, that's okay. You're looking at a man, I want every three-year-old holding here and go to the mission field. But it may be that God wants you to point yourself at Bethlehem, Judah and stay here the rest of your life. Am I okay? i, I got to move on. Remain. Get your family. Church ought not to be a part of your life. It ought to be your life. Amen. Well, you know, preacher, football and baseball, they really build character. You notice I didn't say soccer because we're Americans. Somebody say amen. American flag right there. Goal! Amen. Y'all forgive me. Don't get mad, all right? Don't come up to me after church. My baby plays soccer. 
teach them to play a real sport. Anyways, I'm sorry. Y'all pray for me. Pray for me. All right. I'm, I'm picking. All right. Don't get mad. Amen. Everybody says, well, that'll build character. What do you think the house of God's going to do for them? But see, here, here's the thing. We're not building citizens here. We're building Christians. Building disciples. Get in the house of God. Anyways, I done blew it up, Brother Billy Ray. Thank you for the sweet message tonight, preacher. They needed it. Amen. I needed it. I see if we're going to keep our family during the famine, we're going to have to remain, but we're going to have to remember. There's another word in this text. Went to sojourn in the country of Moab. <clears throat> we need to remember this. That Moab historically has always been the enemy of God's people. If you go study in Moab, the origins of Moab, you find out that other than the Ammonites, Moab is the only thing left over from Sodom and Gomorrah. They started because of a man. Listen to this. They started because of a man who would not get his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. It started with a man that when he did decide to get his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah, he, he got a couple of them out, but he never got Sodom and Gomorrah out of his family. And when he finally got them out, they got him drunk and committed incest with their own daddy. And Moab, what in the world are we chasing after tonight? What was Malon? I mean, what was Elimelech? What was Naomi? What were they thinking? Literally, it's the very thing that God saved these people out of. It is the very thing that God delivered the people of Israel from. These people are the enemies of the people of Israel. When they found out they couldn't curse them, they corrupted them. Well, if we can't tear them down, we'll just join up with them and corrupt them from the inside. Like a bunch of Christian rock bands in our churches. Let Moab come in. Amen. Amen. Letting a bunch of these songs get up on our platform. Well, we just didn't know what it was, preacher. No, you didn't want to filter it. You didn't want to say no. You didn't, hey, we don't live in the day when you have to telegraph, neighbor. Amen. We live in the day you give the name of a song, you put it in the Google, and you know what you're going to find? You're going to find the origins of that song. And if it came out of a trash can, I'd put it right back in the trash can. Amen. We got to be careful. Say, preacher, that ain't that big of a deal. It is. Because they, they might hear brother and sister so-and-so get up here and sing it, and they think, man, I like that song. And these young people go back home, and brother Jacob, they Google it, and they find it, and it ain't brother so-and-so that's up here on the platform. It's some long-haired hippie that likes boys. And then they, it's a gateway drug into that world. It must be okay. Preacher has it on the platform. Moab. So, well, preacher, we got to become like them to reach them. If you become like Moab to reach Moab, you didn't reach Moab. Moab reached you. Amen. That's exactly right. Moab is the enemy. What were they thinking? Here's their worship. Here's their religion. Kamash. Y'all ever heard that? Kamash. Now, Chemosh is, is, from what I've studied, it's also the same God that the Ammonites worship. 
it's their type of Baal worship or Molech worship. How many of y'all are familiar with that? It's where they would build them fires and they would build it up white hot and they would throw their babies into the bowels of that, that false god. And, and here's the ironic thing. They thought that if they threw their children into the fire, it would make them more fertility, have more fertility and make them more prosperous. What in the world? This is what God saved them from. And when things got bad, they ran right back to it. Why is it we do that? Why is it it's in our human nature that every, uh, things get a little hard? Somebody upsets me. Let me help you, neighbor. You're going to get upset at the IGA or whatever y'all have in Poplarville. Y'all don't have a Walmart, so I can't say Walmart, all right? Y'all going to get mad at Walmart. Somebody's going to hurt y'all. Listen, I ain't got no sad stories at the house of God. I, I got older, Brother Jacob, and I found out all these people our age complaining, oh, I got hurt in church. I'm thinking, well, what in the world's wrong with them? Turns out my daddy loved the God's people and loved me enough to keep his mouth shut about anybody that ever did him wrong. And I thought God's people walked on water. And guess what? Tonight, I've lived a little life, Brother Mark, and I've been hurt by some people in the church. And I've probably hurt some people in the church. But the best people on this planet, they're in the, hey, they're in the house of Bethlehem and Judah, the house of bread and praise. God's people are the best people tonight. Moab ain't got nothing for your family. Look what the Bible says. First it says they sojourned. Then it says they continued. Then it said they dwelled. And then it said they died. Let me remind you tonight, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will cost you more than you want to pay. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. We need to remember what God delivered us from. All these people say they're in bondage, living a holy life, and they want, they want, out, they want liberty to go live like they used to before they got saved. That's dumber than a box of hammers. Y'all understand that talk in South Mississippi? Brother Todd, God, God gave us a holy Bible. God gave us a holy spirit. God gave us a holy church. God didn't give us all those holy things so we can go out here and live like Moab. God gave us all those holy things because He said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And God doesn't want us living like Moabites. I see tonight we need to remember what Moab really is. We need to remain at the Bethlehem Judah. But we need to rekindle. Got three words here. Elimelech, Naomi, and Ephrathites. Elimelech tonight means my God is king. And then Naomi means delight, pleasure, and happiness. And you know what Ephrathite means? It means fruitfulness. Son, I'm about to shout right here. You remember when you first got saved? And all, all before that, you was miserable and you was a mess. But you got saved at the house of Bethlehem Judah or somebody from Bethlehem Judah come and told you about Jesus and you got saved. 
and all of a sudden where you was miserable and you had no hope in this world and you was you was downtrodden and you had no leadership and you had no you had no peace in your heart and you woke up the next day and you all of a sudden realized that hey I ain't much of nothing but my God is king amen my God is king oh but it wasn't long until you got to feeling pretty good about it amen well boy if you get to realizing that your God is king before long you'll Naomi everywhere amen it'll be a pleasure you'll be a delight not just to yourself but to everybody else you'll be one of them refreshers that when you show up everybody's happy instead of sad amen there's some people when I see them coming I want to run the other way amen y'all just pray for me I'm not near spiritual as you amen oh but I'm going to tell you I like them Naomi's amen like Miss Ann back there hey she loves on us amen she's sweet I even like old brother John amen it's, hey it's as ugly as he is. Amen. I love him. He makes me happy. Hey, you know why? Because his God is king. Her God is king. And there's a joy. And there's a delight. And there's a pleasure in their life. You remember when you first got saved and that's how you acted? I can't stand it when somebody will say, well, it, it'll, it'll wear off. It don't have to. Oh, Yes. I think I think September will be 23 years for me. It's just getting gooder and gooder. It gets sweeter. As the, not not bitter, but sweeter. If you're getting more sour, you're not a pickle, you're a Christian. Amen. You ought to be getting sweeter tonight, amen. Hey, and if you're not, it's not God's fault. It's our fault tonight. We need to remember my God is king and we should be a pleasure and a delight. But you know what Ephrathite means? Fruitfulness. So if you get to realizing God is king and you get to be in a delight and a joy and a pleasure to be around, all of a sudden, you're going to start bearing some fruit. Let me ask you this tonight. You bearing any fruit? I'll tell you, some of us are. And when it goes to getting harvest, we ain't going to be very happy about it. You know what bitter root produces? Bitter fruit. No 12-year-old has ever learned how to talk bad about the preacher by accident. Man, I was standing around with a bunch of young people. I was trying to do one of them rip, rip sticks. Ain't that what they're called, boys? Rip stick. I shouldn't have been trying. Now, I can do the hoverboard, but I can't do a rip stick, Brother Jacob. I don't know how they do that stuff. Amen. It's witchcraft. Y'all burn all of it. Brother David... I was in a meeting one time and all these boys were up there, 11, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, and they just, one of them 11-year-old boys just starts spewing venom out about a preacher. And I listened to it just for a second. And the first thing that popped in my mind, and I thought, he didn't learn that on his own. Naomi came back and she was Mara. She went out as a pleasure and a delight. She came back as Mara, full of bitterness. And you know what? She had bitterness all around her. And everything around her was producing bitterness. I want to ask you tonight, what kind of fruit you bear, Mom and Daddy? Maybe it ain't the church's fault that our children don't turn out. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe it ain't the world's fault that our children don't turn out. 
Maybe it's the roots on the inside of us. And we've forgotten our God's King. And we've forgotten to be a delight and a pleasure. And we failed to be refreshed. We refused to be refreshed. And we've produced the wrong kind of fruit. Say, preacher, what do we do? Rekindle. Remember that night, day you got saved and you wanted to tell everybody about it? Who was it? Was it somebody said about getting broke out of school? Was it you, Brother Jacob? No, who was it? Brother Seth talked about he wanted somebody to get him out of school and he couldn't even wait till he got home to tell somebody about Jesus. I, I thought, man, I was in public school when I got saved and I started calling all my friends at public school, thought they knew what we... I was 14 years old before I realized that there, the church hymnal wasn't the only hymnal and the King James Bible was not, wasn't the only one that everybody used. I was, my mind was blown when I found out there was another version of the Bible. I'm not kidding, Brother Todd. I was so naive. I'm calling everybody in the middle of the night. I just got saved. They're like, what in the world? You remember how excited you was? When it was just bubbling over? That don't have to stop. If, they, if you're not there tonight, you can get there tonight. I bet. Hey, Brother Rick, how long you been saved? 63 years and he's up here just appalling tonight. It can get better. It can grow. Hey, you know what it is? It's not up to God. It's up to you Hey, to feed your faith and to grow your faith and to walk in the light. And remember, we're not under bondage anymore. Amen. Rekindle. We need to realize if we're going to keep our family in a famine. Two more words. Malon and Kilion. Malon means sick. Kilion means pining. I'm going to read this just how God gave it to me. You, Mom and Daddy, you may think you can handle Moab. And you're wrong. But you may think you can handle Moab. But your children definitely can. You know why most kids don't come home? I said this Sunday morning, Brother Russell. You know why most kids and prodigals don't come home anymore? Because the farm looks just like the far country. These young men were weak and sickly. They had not had a second birth. They didn't have an interaction with God. Why in the world, mom and daddy, when their most pivotal and most impressionable time of their life, would we take them away from the house of bread and praise and put them down there at Moab at the dirt track? Put them down there at the Moab at the ball field. Put them down there at Moab at the, at the public school and let the government train them what to be. We get so mad because our kids are turning out pagans, but we let pagans train them. Hallelujah. Amen, Brother Chris. I killed it, Brother Billy Ray. I'm not a camp meeting preacher. Y'all pray for me. I'm burdened tonight. Because we're watching a whole other generation of kids grow up in, in some of the best meetings and some around some of the greatest preaching, but if it isn't backed up at home, if mama and daddy keep taking them to Moab, it's not going to do a lick of good. Why do we think it's a good idea to take them? Take them out when things go bad. Listen to this. I'd rather have my children in a famine at God's house than a funeral in Moab any day. I, my children have that same awful free will that I have, Brother Todd. I hate mine. 
hate theirs. I'm thankful for it at the same time. I'm glad we're not robots. But Brother Rick, I can't keep my babies from the far country. Saturday night, I think it was, Ezra told me his plans for his life. He said, I want to get saved, I want to preach, and I want to get married. In that order. And he meant it. And I say, glory to God. Emmeline told me a few months ago she wanted to marry Jesus. And I said, that's a wedding I'll pay for. <laughs> but it's easy right now. I'm not, I'm not some fool. I, I've been in this thing a time, for a little while. I, I understand that right now that they're around us. and Man, they've got these tender hearts. And I, Brother Russell, I'm thankful. I'm soaking it in. But I understand that they have the same free will I do. I can't keep them from the far country. But I can, I can do my dead level best to keep the far country from them. Mom and Daddy, most of the time it's us that taint them more than the world. We take them away from the godly good things and we put them out here in the Moab. And then we lose our minds and we complain at, the, at Bethlehem Judah when they die in Moab. Maybe it ain't the world's fault tonight. Maybe it's ours. I'd rather have a famine at the house of God than a funeral in Moab. The last thing, last thing tonight. If we're going to keep our family during a famine, we're going to have to remain. We're going to have to remember. We're going to have to rekindle. We're going to have to realize. But we're going to have to return. It starts out the Bible telling us there was a famine in the land. Now I understand Naomi returns. That's not the part I'm talking. I'm not talking about after everything falls apart. What land are they in? Can anybody help me? What land are they in? Before they go at the beginning, where's the famine? Where are they at? They're in Israel. They're in Bethlehem, Judah, right? The problems they were facing. We're not, they, they were manifested physically, but they were spiritual problems. Go read the law. God told them before they went into the land that if they would abstain from worshiping the, the, the gods of the Canaanites, if they, would, they wouldn't intermarry, if they wouldn't... Oh my goodness, it's all in this text. If, if you won't go marry, if you won't go do this, if you won't go do that, I'm going to bless you. But if you do those things... All of these curses of this book are going to fall on you. And one of those curses is famine. Maybe they should have repented and returned long before they repented and returned. Maybe the famine, at the, maybe it ain't all the preacher's fault. Well, we just ain't going to stay at that church. We just ain't getting fed down there. Y'all haven't been in a month of Sundays. I, this is for all you on Facebook. None of these folks here is like that. This is for you on Facebook. Hey, live. Amen. Well, I, I just, they ain't got nothing for our kids. We do. We really do. We got a King James Bible. We got a church hymnal. We got a leather lung preacher that'll preach their hot off and preach Calvary sweet, heaven sweet, hell hot. We got everything your kids need. The reason mamas and daddies are acting like that tonight is they want to go to a rock and roll church and live however they want to. 
Maybe the famine would go away at the house of, of, of bread and of praise if we just get right with God. We don't have to wait till our children die. We don't, matter, we don't have to wait till our children marry pagans. We don't have to wait till we... Do y'all know what God calls Moab twice? His wash pot. Y'all know what that was? That was God's septic tank. I'm not being vulgar. I am not being ugly tonight. That was God's septic tank. We don't have to go there to figure out how good God is. We don't have to go there to figure out how... Young people, you don't have to leave the house of bread and praise to go figure out how good you got it here. So, I'm going to say this and I'll be done. We need to return. Well, Todd, me and my wife, even before we had our babies that we got to keep, we started reading child training books. Them things, is, them covers is a bunch of lies. Child training my foot. That's parent training books. And if it, if, it, if, it ain't, if it ain't a parent training book, you ain't got a good one. Let me just say it that way. I found out monkey see, or monkey see, or however that works, monkey see, monkey do. They are just a mirror of what we are. And maybe we don't like what we see in the mirror, not because of what they are, but because of what we are. We don't, I've been saying this for years, we don't need any more youth rallies. We need some old people rallies. We don't, need a, we don't need an old preacher to come in and preach the hideout of the young people. We need a young preacher to come preach the hideout of, off the old people. You, you've lived long enough. You've seen a young preacher get called to preach and the first couple of times he gets up, he blows out everything everybody's doing. And he may not do it with cooth and he might not be just homiletically right on everything, but he skins everything. And you know who it is that gets mad? It ain't the young people that get mad. It's all them old... Them, them old mossy Baptists that get mad. Preacher, what you going to do about that? I'm going to let him do it. You know why it bothers us? Because they get right where we're living. And it's God's gift to the church. <laughs> hey, Mom and Daddy, maybe it ain't these that need to get right. Maybe it's these that need to get right. Maybe we need to get into the greatest child training book of the world that's ever seen. Maybe we need to get in here and we need to get refreshed and revive and rekindle tonight. What's your fruit look like? What's your home look like tonight? What, what, Daddy, you know what I see? I, I love these girls singing. Well, where's the guys singing? Where's the, where's the men? Amen. Thank God that you're serving. Thank God that you're doing things. But well, we need some men to stand up and do the things out front. Daddy, when are you going to lead? Hey, our children, our families, our churches are in the balance tonight. Moab's clawing at us. God's sitting here waiting for us to come back. If you're in a famine tonight, God can fix that right here. If you forgot who your king is, if you forgot about the fruitfulness and the joy that used to be in your life, you can get it fixed right here. Don't go to Moab. Come back to the house of bread and praise. Lord, thank you.
Thank you for what you've done tonight. Lord, I've tried to be obedient to you. I've tried to mind you. Lord, I pray, dear God, that some families tonight would get serious. They'd get on this altar tonight. Lord, and they commit that they're just going to stay. Lord, I pray that some mamas and daddies would get on this altar tonight. Get their children. Maybe they need to apologize. Lord, that they make a commitment to get Moab out of their homes. Lord, that they make a commitment to rekindle, to get back where they used to be. Lord, there might be a prodigal here tonight. I pray that they come home tonight. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name.